0: Welcome to Lacrosse Now. That is Travis Eldridge. I am Tom Eschen. Appreciate you joining us here on this Thursday. Final day of March, so it is almost getting into crunch time. You're defined by games you win in April, you know? Yeah,
1: April sets up May. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: April wins, bring May championships. Yeah, flowers, showers. Same kind of thing. So we have got some quick picks on the women's side to get you ready for the weekend around the country. We also have our big storylines in the men's game with our categories there and our midweek moment all ready to go today.
1: Plus some terrific guests, Sam Swart from Syracuse, coming off the dramatic win against Loyola earlier this week. She joins us and the co-founders of Lacrosse for Life, along with some special guests joining us toward the end. Uh, Why you will see a lot of shaved
0: heads across college lacrosse
1: this weekend. So all that coming up.
0: Biggest names in the sport for the kids out there and and representing things for a good cause, too. For sure.
1: But we start with... Something that's been making some waves on lacrosse Twitter. Today. Yes. It's
0: us. Uh, yeah. I, well, I, I mean, yes, us and name and, and likeness and all that and image and likeness. Name, Pringle, image and likeness. Um, but yes, I mean, the the midseason All-American list for the men and women have come out. And um, some of the things we talked about are up for consideration as well. And conversation that is. And, um, and a lot of it comes down to positional things, who deserves it, who doesn't and um, so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. So a lot think? has been made yeah, about a lot has been made about the fact that I had on my first team, all American list that I submitted for inside lacrosse, Tucker Dordovic as a first team midfielder. Now he's played midfield throughout his entire career. With the exception of he has been bumped up to the attack spot for a good portion of the season. Because I think some of it probably has to do with Owen Hiltz being out. He has been bumped up and he's not leaving the field. However. I have a hard time. I don't know. I just. I maybe I'm wrong. I have a hard time thinking of him as a true fire attackman. The same way that Sam Hanley, while he is not left the field at times this year, I still consider a midfielder. So the the interesting thing that we've seen now with the Inside Lacrosse uh, poll that has come out today is that Tucker Dordovic is indeed an attackman, and he's on the third team list. Yes, but Sam Hanley with him bouncing back and forth between attack and midfield, is a first-team All-American midfielder. So I I do think this is a – it's only going to become a more common issue throughout lacrosse, very much how we see it in basketball now, where you've got guards, whether they're shooting guards or point guards, or forwards who can be considered centers, or forwards that can be considered point guards. Like LeBron James – The way in which he plays with the Lakers sometimes could probably be considered a point guard, but he's not a point guard.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the reason that all this conversation is happening because there is a back and forth argument on it. It's almost as if, yes, Hanley did play some games at attack and he also appeared out of the midfield too at times this year and he's been known as that in his career. Same story with Dordovic and and coaches will fit and shape And the midseason is also really tough to to determine that too. You don't have the biggest sample size whereas at the end of the year, I think a lot of these arguments will hold up a lot more. You can actually look at the full body of work and say, oh, he played, you know, 10 games at attack, three games out of the midfield. He's an attackman. And I think that that's when things will get flushed out. We're in the middle of the season. It's hard to really know what was, even maybe you haven't even finished March just yet, who is what and where and what that will shake out to be the rest of the year.
1: And I will say it is part of the exercise in terms of like you got to narrow down who are the best attackmen and who are the best midfielders in the country but more and more that when you talk to college coaches like more and more guys are like yeah you know like we put him up at attack but he essentially runs as a midfielder in right. the way in which we've designed our offense and oh, you know what, we put him out of the midfield, but he's essentially an attackman because we invert him all the time and we have him play for max. So I think more and more coaches have accepted the fact that some of these roles just aren't defined, and, and it, th- it just depends on the personnel you have and where you're putting guys.
0: And that's not even restricted just to um, offense. I mean, you see some yeah. long-stick middies who go down there and play the team's best attackman at times, too. Yeah. You, know, you see those matchups also take place, so it's hard to determine. Like you said, it's more ambiguous. I don't know what you change in terms of the categories for some of these guys. If you have uh, a little bit of the mix, if you have an A slash M in there or what have you. But um, I think it's interesting. And unfortunately, I don't know if you're Tucker Dordovic, you say, yeah, I'm a midfielder. Then I'm a first teamer. Right. Can <laughs> right? We run it. Hey,
1: coach, can we run me out of the box here like for twice. like a handful of games and then we'll not put even, myself back in the Not midfielder.
0: even for a game. Like like half the game you can do it and say, hey, I'm a first team midfielder. I mean, he's a third team attackman. He's a first team midfielder.
1: Because when you look (laughs) at what he's done for Syracuse's team, I mean, this team – doesn't have the number of wins. It doesn't probably have half the wins they he's first without He's a first-team All-American. He's a first-team All-American <laughs> Which, with how he's played the way, for the first half and, of the year.
0: And if he's labeled as an attackman, that's such a stacked position these days. It's hard to break through there, even no matter how good you are, because there are some guys that have been standbys there. So if you are someone like Dordovic who hasn't played that position for his whole career, known as something else, you're not going to be already entrenched in a lot of the voters' minds as, oh, he's one of the best attackmen in the country because right. he hasn't played that position up until now. So it right. is very difficult to say, you know, for him, be like, well, how is he getting, he's getting penalized in all of this, but, and, and I don't know if that's fair.
1: Well, I mean, think, think about Matt Moore from Virginia. Yeah. He was a guy, a similar situation, yeah. was an All-American midfielder, got bumped up to attack, and now he's not even considered the best attackman. He's not, not yeah. even on any of these lists. He's not no, even considered yeah. the
0: best attackman on his team. And he might be one of the best attackmen in the country.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be
0: a he's going to be
1: a legitimate PLL pro,
0: yeah. long term. <laughs> he might be he's, one of the best, and like in
1: the he's country. not a, in this this midseason yeah. All American list.
0: I mean, you might have to change it. I don't know what you do. You do top five at each position. I don't know, but there's there's a solution somewhere out there. Well,
1: it's um, and and I'll I'll leave it at this. It, it comes down to the. Uh, the all-NBA voting, and this has become a big thing with the NBA, and it's down to Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid for who's the top center. Well, they're probably the top two MVP candidates, but only one of them can be first-team all-NBA, yeah. which seems ridiculous because both of them are the top are in the top five players in the league from what we've seen this year. So there's, there's talk on do you vote one of them a power forward, but then you have to have all the voters on the same page because – only votes for center count for center and only votes for power forward count for power forward. <laughs> so then Jokic could just be left off altogether if you move him. and then. But it se- feels yeah. wrong to have one of them not on the all-NBA list. So it, it kind of comes down to that. And it's the same thing with Dordovic. Like, I've, I really do feel he's playing at a first-team All-American level so far right. this year. Yeah. You want him to be on the list. But how, you can't put him ahead of Schellenberger, Wisnowskis, And uh, who else is up? And 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 Chris Gray, because those guys are having transcendent years as well
0: right and you could do i guess just for the sake of this exercise you could say give me six offensive players but then you're gonna get all attackmen every year because right. it's you know and then look you at miss the scoring, out on the, the stats you miss out on everything that a midfielder brings to his team and i think it, you can't just split it offense defense right down the middle you right. have to make it position specific it's just hard it's just hard when some players are ambiguously <laughs> positioned so it's exactly. you're, you're not really you're uh juxtaposing two different concepts there at the same time anything so, else stick out from the actual list the, the that conversation notwithstanding. No,
1: no, I, 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 on the men's side, I, I didn't have a, a huge issue. Some of the goalie thing, we, we hit on the Dobson thing for St. Bonaventure, second team no, All-American. No, give some
0: love to Matt Garber, everybody. I know.
1: I, look, I, I, he became my second team All-American goalie you after our conversation on Tuesday. He's
0: a, well, honorable mention, he, I yes. think that he deserved at least top three, if not second in the nation. We talked about this on Tuesday. 9.16 goals against average, 59% saves, and he's been really good. You know, not just stats. You know, you can look beyond the stats. Watch the game and watch the impact he makes for BU in their great start they've had to this season and maybe propelling them to a nice bid in the Patriot League tournament. Who knows what comes after well, that. He's been so important to his team's success against good competition, too, and that is what's more important here in my mind.
1: Well, and Luke Milliken, too, from Jacksonville, same type of idea. Yeah, He's got a goals against average in 9.2. That's top 10 in the country, and he's fourth in the country in save percentage at 58%, and they have wins over Duke and Denver this year. Yeah. And Jacksonville is a top yeah, 15 it, team. Yeah. That, to me, garners some recognition.
0: And nothing wrong with what Brett Dobson's done. You can only play who you play, but his competition hasn't been the same as either of those guys. Yeah. And, the uh, numbers can get inflated and, by different games. And, and Colin Kearse for Rutgers, he's a very nice goalie. I, I think he had a better year last year, to be honest with you. And, you know? So, I think these guys have better years than him in least in the half the season. We'll,
1: we'll see what happens the route. This is when things start to really matter. And on the women's side of things,
0: there is one glaring omission. Yep. For, and I know it, it, it's hard to take any of these out Lauren Gilbert, Charlotte North, Jamie Ortega, Megan Tyrell. I think if I'm siding with one, I am siding and taking Gilbert out. You got to give respect to Roar accordingly. And what she's she does she leads the Maryland. nation in points. She leads the nation in points in an offense that there are multiple sources there. And I did a game for them earlier this year. But you're watching accordingly. And, yes, they've got talent around her, but she still sticks out. She still scores multiple points a game. I mean, she's up there with Hannah Lübecker, who was outstanding for Maryland last year. She's been good this year, too. But accordingly – as she goes, so does the Maryland offense. So yeah, you talk about some of the pieces around her, but she has been such a focal point within that. And you you know you what I mean? It's like if Logan Wisnowskis was leading the nation in points per game right now. Right. That's how far and away, like and that's she how good she's been. Well
1: and and not only does she lead the nation in points, she plays for Maryland. Yeah. Like they're they're <laughs> no. playing a schedule that is up to par with all the other first team All Americans. And we don't, it's not a different and, we Slate. don't.
0: We don't say this much. Maryland not getting the benefit of the doubt here.
1: Who knew? Who would have thunk it? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Just consider her a midfielder, and then she's yeah. gonna be a first team All-American. I,
0: I thought Raina Sabella from Stony Brook should have gotten a little bit more love as in the midfield, maybe up there to the second team as well. Uh, Bell Smith or BC's had a nice year. Emily Knolls or North Carolina, I would maybe bump her up to the defensive side and the second team too. There, um, the first team pretty cut and dry though. I thought at the end of the day. Um, and and that's the way the women think. Right. Chuck out. Outside my of accordingly, yeah, She should have been on there. Yep. Anyway, uh, midweek moment. What do you got? I have Stony Brook in Princeton. I mean, big this win game, for the Seawolves. You're getting ready. You're excited for this. It was a big Tuesday night because uh, you're. we going to talk about one of those games, Syracuse Loyola, in a moment. And I know it, he told me what it was beforehand. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, Stony Brook blowing out Princeton, sixteen to eight, and. A really impressive performance for Stony Brook as that was the first single-digit scoring day of the season for Princeton, who has a really good offense, and their defense just hasn't done it. 7-1 to one was the score after the first half. So Stony Brook came out, and they've struggled at times this year with their starts. They've done it a few different games. Johns Hopkins was an example example of that, as was their game at Northwestern, games where they didn't start so well. They started really well in this game as as, to, as well, how, Hample had three goals, three assists. Ellie Masera how good has she been? Two goals, two assists, 12 draw controls, three cause turnovers. And they caused problems all the way up and down the field. Princeton failed on five clears. They were 16 for 21 there. And just a performance for Stony Brook that showed us how good they can be. Yeah. And Princeton, some of those questions we've had throughout the year, mainly their defense, answered a bit here as they could not stop Stony Brook.
1: This game, I I think, says a lot about the Seawolves and how far they've come in terms of, all right, not just a great national story, That is going to flare out like they are legitimate final four contenders to go on the road and do this says a lot. And I I love that they had they had a bunch of great videos that came out of this game on social media, especially the reaction stuff at the end, the the fun stuff. But there was a video and they had Joe Spolino talking before the game and he was preaching to the team about these are the games that make a difference in May and they knew that this is the type of game, you beat Princeton, when it comes down to seeding, these are the games that make you avoid playing Boston College in North Carolina at the end of the year. When it comes to the quarterfinals and gets you to championship weekend, because that's a huge deal. Avoiding to, avoiding playing one of those top two teams from what we've seen so far this year is a huge difference maker for some of these programs. Whether it's a Stony Brook, a Syracuse, a Northwestern, if you don't have to play them in the quarterfinals, it gives you a
0: chance in the in the in the. Championship week, and I would say few teams have been impacted more by negative seeding than Stony Brook over the last (laughs) five, six. That is for sure. So they, they are earning their spot as maybe more so than anybody else ever has, especially this year. You go down to Florida and win. You win this game at Princeton as well. So they're playing the tough teams in their schedule and they're winning these games. Now they'll wipe through the America East. Not going to get a chance to play in the conference tournament, but right now. The way they're getting these wins, and, and the fashion in which they're doing so, should get them hopefully a favorable draw because they deserve it.
1: Yeah, they're making statements.
0: Yeah, absolutely. for sure. All right, um, talk about Syracuse Loyola. All
1: right, Syracuse Loyola. There was some controversy this in was, this game.
0: Talk about lacrosse. And, uh,
1: in the end, yeah, there was a there was a a call that was made toward the end of the game that there was a like a block charge situation. It was called a charge. However, uh, Demer Class put it out on social media. Probably the play probably should have been dead before the charge. So that is neither here nor there. When it comes down to what actually happened in the game, yeah. Syracuse builds up a lead, uh, 14-9 to they led. Loyola scores the final four goals of this game to make it 14-13. But the MVP for Syracuse and the reason why this game could be a defining moment in the Orange's season is Kimber Hauer in cage. She plays all 60 minutes. We've said it all year. They needed Syracuse need to figure out the goalie situation. Kimber Hauer plays all 60 minutes, makes 12 saves, her first double-digit save game in an orange uniform. And if she can solidify that position, this Syracuse team becomes a legitimate national title contender along with the likes of Boston College and North Carolina because they need somebody in that spot. Because you know what they have offensively. They're going to score with, I think, anybody in the country defensively, they got to figure it out. Some of the games that they've lost this year, it's because they haven't been able to get stops. Yeah. Can you get stops with some of the best teams in the country? If Howard starts to play like this, I think they can.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think for Syracuse, they'll be defined by whether or not they can beat BC and North Carolina at the oh, end yeah, of the year. For sure. and I, I, for a, Carolina in two weeks, by the way. On the Loyola side of things, I, I think that this is an okay loss for them. I mean, you go yeah. and compete with Syracuse all the way through. You make that comeback at the end, and still, to me, they they could be a team that gets within that top four echelon at the end of the year they showed that against Syracuse they say they played right with everybody they they've been up against this year and there's some teams they've blown out too so I think that Loyola doesn't have anything to worry about right now they know they have a lot of toughness on this team that you've noticed with that experience comes some toughness and it feels like they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder probably wish they would have won that game but moving forward I think they're gonna be better off because of it
1: This very well could be a game that we see in the quarterfinal round
0: at the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that too.
1: Stony Brook-Syracuse, Loyola-Syracuse, Northwestern-Loyola. like a
0: Loyola-Duke would be a quarterfinal game. Who's
1: getting in the top four
0: out of those two? Of those two? Uh, I guess they'll upset somebody along okay. the way. Yeah, okay, maybe. all right. yeah. Just, of, of just those, I mean, we know it's the top two and everybody else, so it's a conglomeration of <laughs> That's three true. through ten at this point. That's who knows true. who those other two teams are? I mean, Northwestern we know is up there, but is Maryland better than Northwestern? I'm not sure. Syracuse, Stony Brook, between those two teams. It's sort of like you're on dividing lines between a couple of those top five teams in the country, and it's going to be a battle for those other two spots in the final four, I believe, as, it, as evidenced by Loyola playing Syracuse so tough. Yeah, And, and Sony Brook did the same. at the For sure, yeah,
1: too. 100%. Both were really, really good yeah. games. Uh, anyway, speaking of Syracuse, Sam Swart had a nice game against Loyola, had a chance to catch up with her earlier, earlier today. We have Sam Swart from Syracuse joining us now. Sam, a dramatic game for you guys again. Cardiac Cuse living up to the nickname. Uh, coming off the, the win over Loyola, what's the takeaway?
2: We love close games. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> Takeaway, um, honestly, Loyola's a great team. Um, a lot of my home friends are on that team. So um, great competition, great girls, great coach. Um, I mean, she's still playing. So honestly, it was just great competition, and it was awesome to be out there.
1: You, got, you mentioned the close games. Uh, what do you feel like you have learned throughout the experience of playing so many one- and two-goal games so far this year?
2: Yeah, um, honestly, it's about having each other's back. I mean, we get in these situations where I've never been in before. (laughs) I mean, we've never had this many close games, you know, it's either been like a huge blowout or, you know, you know, kind of close, but this has just been super close. And honestly, it's about having each other's backs and you really see your teammates in these tight moments.
1: So, knowing Gary uh, Gate and his coaching style, he's laid back even in the most tense moments. So, I wonder what's it, what's Kayla like now, your new head coach, in these tense moments. Like, what, what the differences there when it comes down to those tight, one-goal games?
2: That's so funny you're saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, Gary was always so laid back, and you know, he always pulled through too. So, um, I think honestly, didn't think Kayla can get any better, but even in these tight she's even better so it's amazing to see what she pulls together in these tight moments and she's always successful so
1: yeah it's worked out so well uh pretty well for you guys so far obviously a a very big week for you because not only do you guys come away with a big win over Loyola but then you find out that you're part of the uh, team for the world games for team USA to play the new sixes format I know you played it in the summer sixes what's it like
2: one word fast you know if. (laughs) If you're not ready to run, I don't know what you're ready for. So no, it's fast, it's high pace. Um, everyone's touching the ball. Everyone's getting a you know chance to play. You know short sidelines. Everyone's in and out like box lacrosse. So we played box lacrosse here at Syracuse my last five years. Oh my gosh, I'm getting I'm aging myself. The last five years here at Syracuse, we play box inside. So it's kind of like that. You're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. Scoring goals, playing defense. It's everything.
1: So it fits your game. Is there anything you've done in sixes that like you don't normally do, or is it just like same old?
2: same old same old for me you know as a midi, i play offense defense clear the ball so for me it's the same old but you know it's exciting to see these attackers play defense and for these defenders to play attack it's pretty awesome though it's really cool experience
1: what's it going to be like to represent team usa on that stage obviously knowing that like that's a big step in terms of maybe going to the olympics someday
2: yeah um honestly i'm just honored and like you know so proud like you know, when I got that message that I was on that team, like my heart just stops this. It's just amazing. And, you know, I'm just honestly thankful and I just can't wait to do more. So. And,
1: and I know like you have the chance during those weekends, whether it's for the sixes format or having an opportunity with the, the full national team where like you get all the gear and you wear team USA, like take me back to the first time you got the USA gear and you're putting it on.
2: Yeah. I'm, I can go back to, you know, the first time I was over there in Maryland, um, you know, I walked in and I see Kayla Trainer. She's obviously been on this team for many years. She's our idol. We look up to her. Taylor Cummings. You know, I can list so many names. And I'm just this girl, and I feel so young compared to them. And you know, I have so much more to learn. And that's when I got there and I put that jersey on and I was like, "This is just the beginning." You know what I mean? So I thought I made it. Like you know, did it all, did it all. And then I finally got here and I'm watching these adult players play and it's real lacrosse. And um, it was inspiring, honestly. And putting that putting that gear on, like I wear it still, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing." So you know, I'm just honored. That's all.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a cool moment. Uh, let's go back to Syracuse because I was reading in an article Carmelo Anthony was like your role mo- model growing up. What why, why Melo?
2: <laughs> my dad, you know, I my dad loved Carmelo Anthony, but I wanted to go to Syracuse to play basketball. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy and my parents were like very nice people. They were like, you know, maybe you should try to sport maybe you're a little too small, you know, yada yada. So I was like, I came to a Syracuse camp instead for lacrosse and right when I got here, fell in love with Gary, fell in love with the program, just fell in love with the facilities. It was amazing. And, you know, I still wear my basketball Carmelo Anthony shoes, but different sport, but um, I just knew Syracuse was it for me. So.
1: so, so where, where was your basketball game at? Like obviously playing at the collegiate level at your size, probably not in it, but like, where did you top out at basketball wise?
2: Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, won't, I get to gas myself up here. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I was pretty good at basketball, not like Syracuse women's lacrosse basketball. They're amazing. But, um, you know, I had my days. I was a little point guard, run plays, but definitely lacrosse was my, uh, my, my route. <laughs> uh,
1: that, that's fair. Uh, there at Syracuse, I know you're in the Falk School, and I believe you're getting your master's degree here as a fifth year. You want to go into, like, stadium management? What's the dream job outside of lacrosse?
2: dream job is you know um, obviously ESPN I want to work in their marketing department but we shall see where it goes but definitely always always reach high so
1: yeah and you're at a great school for it uh, David Falk of course Michael Jordan's agent so uh, a, a good school to to be at um I, I saw the the Instagram with you and Brendan Curry the
2: shooting challenge are, are you a big hot sauce fan I love hot sauce that's why like when we had that opportunity I was like Brendan, you're doing this with me. It's going to be amazing. So uh, it, was, it was super fun, though.
1: Hey, did he really win or did you let him win?
2: Okay, not going to lie. Okay, so I won the first one. Like, actually, he won the second one. And then we let him win the second one. Third, the third one, my bad. He, we let him win the third one just, you know, because it's Brendan Curry. So I had to lose, Yeah.
1: You, know? <laughs> you got to build up his confidence a little bit, right?
2: We did. And I think, I think we did a great job doing that.
1: I did notice in the video that both of you had struggles hitting the, the target right in the middle, and that's probably a good thing.
2: That is a good thing, right? You're not trying to shoot the goalie. So I think we were successful there.
1: Yeah, no, it, it works out well. You got to aim to the corners. I, when you look at the landscape of uh, women's lacrosse, and, and you guys obviously played at the, the highest at the very end of the season, going to the national championship game last year, but you look up the standings and in your own conference, you've got North Carolina and Boston College again. When you think of those two programs, what do you think of?
2: For me, um, you know, being here a while, I just think of respect. You know, I respect these two teams so much, and they're amazing. Looking at Charlotte, um, Taylor Marino, they are just such amazing players. And like again, I play with them at USA, and I just have so much respect for them. And I'm still, we're still learning so much, you know. And um, again, I don't want to say the word again, but I just, I respect them so much, and I respect their style of play. And you know, just being out there with them, playing against them, it's just an opportunity once in a lifetime, and I'm thankful to be part of.
1: Obviously, there's respect there, and I know there are friendships there, but, like, what's the rivalry like, too, knowing, like, for B.C., especially, they got what you guys want (laughs) to get.
2: No, you know, um, we step on that field, it's game time, you know. Off the field, we're great friends, you know, always joking. But I think when we're on the field, it's – we're going head-to-head. So, that's all i got to (laughs) say.
1: And it's going to be uh, fun. You guys guys still have uh, those two games coming up this season. We can't wait to see that. Uh, We had fun watching you this week against Loyola. Keep up the the good work, Sam, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up sometime here down the rest of the season.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Awesome to catch up with Sam. Uh, By the way, right before that interview, there was a fire alarm that went off, and so she was outside in a car, and then she came back in. But the good news is the snow is melting in Syracuse.
0: It, it's not melted yet no we're working on it.
1: okay well it's not yet April
0: a quick picks let's go Travis around the women's game Northwestern yeah. at Penn State oh I'm kicking this off yes okay. you are
1: um, I'm going Wildcats okay uh, over Penn State 16 to 11 this Northwestern offense is really good we, we mentioned good. Uh, Lauren Gilbert first team All-American here in the midseason leading the way with 54 points but how about the dichotomy of her last two games Versus Dartmouth two games ago, she goes off for six goals. Versus Michigan last week, she has five assists. Mm. How many players in the country are able to do that where you you can do both at an elite elite level i think that makes her stand out Uh, eighth in the country at the moment almost 16 goals per game as a team so i like uh, northwestern to win this one
0: let's go out west on friday 7 p.m mountain time if you keep time that way colorado at stanford i guess it's going to be 6 p.m pacific time if you want to go that way second half of conference play here in the Pac-12. 12 one hour colorado I think, can win this game 16-14 over Stanford. They met back on March 25th. Colorado won 17-16, back-and-forth game. Bayako had five goals in that loss. Uh, so, I mean, that was a, a nice performance from Stanford. They scored after a Colorado yellow card late in that one. Ashley Humphreys in really good for Stanford. 20 goals, 49 assists. I want to see her on this list, please. Yeah, how is she not That's at all American? omission, by the way. She's third most points in the NCAA, 69 this year. Interesting Side note to this game. Colorado 11th in the nation in free position percentage. Five for seven against Stanford on March 25th. Stanford... 21 fouls per game. That's 95th in the country. They need their goalie, Kara Raheim, to step up. She leads the Pac-12 in save percentage. I do think she'll be able to do so. I don't think she'll be able to do so. I apologize for that. Colorado wins 16-14. to wow. 14. Really I think pulled that, the rug out from I under I think her. that they'll get be able to get enough goals and enough of those free position shots, and like they did in the first game, to, to be able to cash in here. All right, let's go
1: to the ACC. This is the Andy Aldave game. We got Notre Dame- At North Carolina, Andy Aldewey, of course, was at Notre Dame using this grad transfer year to go to UNC. I think UNC is too much in this one, though. I think maybe the Irish keep it a little bit closer than you expect. 17-13, I've got this one. To give you an idea of how good North Carolina has been as a team, they are second in the country, up over 18 goals per game, giving up the sixth fewest number of goals and just 8.82 goals against so far, and... One of the reasons they've been so good in both is their ability at the draw circle. Fourth in the country, they're getting possession 61% of the time off the draw circle. I mean, that is elite stuff in the women's game, considering it's... a. I mean, it's essentially a 50-50 ball when that not ball when goes. North when North Carolina. But not when North no. Carolina. They're like 60-40. all
0: them around the circle. Yeah. They get it. Makes almost, makes a big difference.
1: Time. So uh, I got Carolina.
0: All right, JMU at Hofstra, 12 p.m. Saturday. Little CAA tilt here. Mm-hmm. Our specialty. JMU is going to win this 12 to nine. Ooh, low scoring. JMU with wins over Richmond, UVA, Maryland, and Towson over the past couple weeks here. So they are rolling. Hofstra's lost three straight. Tough games: Stony Brook, Vandy, UConn, Isabella Peters. Anderson's been so good for JMU as of late. Six goals against Virginia, five goals and assists against Maryland. Same against Towson. The only thing that can slow JMU down a little bit more here, Jeff Smith. goals against average, 53.4% save. So she's been excellent here. Molly Doherty, 11 saves against Maryland. Had her on the show earlier this week, too. i I like the goalie battle. I think that's going to keep things a little bit lower scoring. Peterson has to go for JMU to be successful. I think she goes just enough to do so.
1: I love what Molly Doherty told us on Tuesday about Isabella Peterson. I'm like, what's gotten into her? And she's actually roommates with her. And she's like, she realized nobody can stop her, and it was like, okay, I <laughs> yeah. guess it's that easy, and that's yeah. exactly what it, it seems like she's doing. Uh, speaking of Maryland, the Terps who lost to JMU a couple of games ago, a bounce-back effort against Georgetown uh, with a 15-3 win this past oh. week. They go to Hopkins. Little rival reaction in the Big Ten. Aurora
0: accordingly, bowl.
1: Yeah, exactly, but I, I think the Terps are too much. I think they get this one 15-9. to nine. Aurora, accordingly, against her old team. As we mentioned, mm-hmm. she prob- she has to be a first-team All-American at this point in the year from what she's done for this program and to walk into Maryland with all the talent that they have and to be the person as a transfer like this, I think it says everything you need to know about how terrific of a player she is. I mean, she's not just walking into any program and taking over. She's walking into Maryland with the schedule that they've had, and I know they lost to JMU. A couple of losses here at the beginning, or just one loss at the beginning part of this season. I, I just think she's, I, I think this team's too good. I think they get it done against
0: Hopkins. I think their big wake-up call came in the loss of JMU For this sure, year. I, I think that they'll um, cruise, and, and that includes maybe a game against Northwestern here down the road that I Ooh. think that Maryland will be inspired to play okay. against. All right, Virginia at Duke, 1 p.m. Saturday. Virginia at 6 and 6 now. Duke's 12-1, and Yeah. and I like Duke. I think that – I mean, I know Virginia's played a tough schedule. I just don't know if they have it. And you look at where their advantage usually lies. That's the draw control circle. Aubrey Williams, a second-team All-American. Good luck. She goes up against the first-team All-American. And Maddie Jenner, first team uh, this past on the midseason All-American list. So you negate that entire advantage that Virginia usually has. That hurts. And Duke, number one offense in the country. Virginia allowing 13.2 goals per game. Duke's gonna win this one they're gonna they seems like every game up against 6 17, 18 goal's hard to stop.
1: Yeah, they lead the country in goals per game. Yes, they do. Uh, so far this First, season, number one
0: offense in the nation. Oh so yeah, that's sorry, that's mentioned. another yeah. way to
1: say it. Yeah, my bad. Uh, uh, by the, the way, seventeen
0: to eleven, the final. <laughs>
1: by the way, Virginia, I feel like they've been they've been in all these games. They just haven't figured out a way to win these games. Both, I think that's the the difference.
0: Intrigue here. Both teams coming off of kind of weird wins. Duke just beat Liberty eight seven.
1: Yeah, weird. It was that, a, that caught me ugly off guard.
0: game. UVA beat Louisville 12-11. So I. I I don't know, like, Duke, I picked them, but it could be a little interesting. Okay. Uh, how about,
1: this is a, speaking of interesting, yes. little out there in terms of, we got, like, West Coast versus East Coast this weekend, non-conference action. Arizona State at Rutgers. Second game of the weekend for both of these teams. Rutgers plays Michigan, a game that is happening as we are taping this. So a big, big 10 battle on a Thursday for Rutgers at home. You got Arizona State, going to Stony Brook on Long Island on Friday before they get this get to this game on Sunday. I've got the Sun Devils in an upset, 14-13. This is an Arizona State team that obviously had the big win over Colorado, was the one that kind of put them on the map in terms of some notoriety here. They've had some tough losses out there in the, in the Pac-12 against some other good programs. I think they're due for another one. They've played they played Michigan really tough earlier this season to start off the year. I think they need a big game from Emily Glagolev who's been really good. Her last 3, 9 points against Colorado, 6 points against Stanford, 10 points against Cal. I think if she goes off, they have a chance at the to knock off the Scarlet Knights.
0: Yeah, and, and quick turnaround for Rutgers, 2 days at that after a rivalry game. Right. So, yeah, admit-
1: Arizona State's got to play Stony Brook too, but
0: yeah. you know, you know, it's a little bit, you know, the East Coast trip, Arizona State, you're kind of like out there already. It's like, you right. just play lacrosse. Just do it. You know, it's a Nothing little.
1: Nothing else to worry about.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, moving on. I've got USC and Michigan, noon on Sunday. I like Michigan in this game, 12 to 9. Another one of those uh, West Coast Midwest matchups, yeah. if you will. Um, USC with wins over Colorado recently, 17 to 10 over Arizona State. Michigan coming off a loss to Northwestern. Michigan's offense has been very diversified this year. We're moving on from Molly Garrett. Nine players with double. Digit goals. Caitlin Mead and Kaylee Thompson both with 20. They got, I mean, they've been decent this year too, you know, defensively. Arielle Weissman has been the best goalie in the country. She's a first team All American. So we talk about these goalies, Taylor Moreno all the time, Madison Doucette, a part of the Sixes team. Yep. ariel Weissman's the first team All American in the women's game. 55.3% saves, 7.64 goals against average. Shout out to their defenders, Maddie Burns, Morgan Whitaker, Catherine Galzerano. Double the Jakaz turnovers and ground balls for all of those players. I just like the way their defense is rolling right now against a USC team that has a couple of nice results. I don't think it's going to be nice enough. They just lost 18-13 to Princeton, so didn't score enough in that game against Princeton team that we don't think has the most elite defense. Going up against a good one in Michigan and who can score, too. 12-9 Wolverines, big blue.
1: Yeah, it's like the uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12 challenge this weekend. Mm-hmm. With those games, I like. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. So there you go. Uh, all right, let's turn our attention to the men's game now. Time hey. for some categories. Most intriguing
0: game. Do you want to kick us off? I sure will. 3:30 p.m. Saturday. Penn and Yale. Mm. Um, their last three games they played all came in 2019. You remember that year? in which the, I the triple was, overtime why
1: This series was and amazing. Then
0: the, and then Penn won again by a goal, and then the NCAA tournament, they couldn't beat him three times, Yale 19-18 over Penn. So what a memory we have. Unfortunately, you have to go back, what, three years to remember it. Yeah. But that's, at the same time, these two have had a lot of intrigue. I wonder if Yale is for real here, because I feel like this is almost a defining moment in their season. Yeah, you beat Princeton last week, and that's great. You have that nice comeback against Cornell. You lose that game, had the early loss to Penn State in the beginning of the yep. season. I guess for Yale, this is sort of a test that can say, well, are they a contender, uh, you know, to win this conference and to maybe make a run at the end of the year? So that's my big question for them. And then when it comes to Penn, you come off a 15-11 win over Cornell, a nice victory. You scored yep. 15 goals in that game after you scored 20 against Princeton in that overtime loss. I think... Don't know, you know, how close, and, admit, and probably assuming it's going to be a one goal game because that's the kind of games they two play that kind of game that Penn plays this year. So, this is the most intriguing matchup. And what do you do in terms of some of these matchups? Do you put a Chris Fake on a Sam Hanley, even? You know, if, if Sam Hanley's going to go yes. down there and play some attack and you get Fake out there and, and have that matchup, which should be a, a heavyweight matchup. At that, So that's my most intriguing game of the weekend.
1: Yeah, you know, I you said uh, talking about like we're going to find out stuff about Yale. I feel like we're going to find out stuff about Penn, too, because I don't yeah. like, as Penn's number four in the country. But like you get the, the big win over Duke, nice win over Cornell. But like I don't know. It, I'm still I'm not completely sold on Penn yet because of like everything they lost for that team in 2019. That was so close to being in the final four but they lost a ton. And so there's still a lot of guys that are not quite yet proven commodities that are now having to do it in big games
0: yeah you're right I, I just I think they have some good pieces they do and I think that they've got things to build around Sam Hanley of course and then you've got Gergar who's done a nice job of at that attack unit too and Patrick Birkinshaw a goalie that came in with a lot of you know a lot of expectations at the same time and BJ Ferrar who you know one of the best long sticks in the country I think they've got the pieces in the right spots to be able to get the job done um, but like you said this is a test for them and yeah a one- test for I think this should, game need to pass.
1: I think this game tells us a lot about who is the upper echelon of the Ivy League because I think it's pretty safe to say Princeton is there from what we've seen in in terms of who they've competed know. with out of conference. Yeah. I am I'm, I'm pretty convinced that I like what Princeton has
0: done. Yeah. I I, I, would I just argue I'm they're not, all good. Okay. Give me give me those four teams right now. Cornell, Princeton, Yale and Penn. See, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like what Princeton
1: has done out of the conference, but like some of the other teams from what we've seen, I like Cornell, I guess, with what they did over Ohio State, but we've seen up and down. I don't know. I'm not completely okay. sold on everybody. Well, we'll, we'll figure it out then. I think we're going to get, I think out of all of them, I think there are going to be maybe two that rise to the top. And I think the question is, is, it is it Penn or is it Yale that joins Princeton?
0: I would say it's going to be Penn. That would be my prediction. I know we're not making predictions right now, but I would. I
1: kind of like Yale in this one. I would give Penn the advantage. Look out for Matt Brandau. Okay, I think he's, he's due for a really big game in a big spot. Uh, my most intriguing game, going off the radar a little bit for this one, how about High Point at Jacksonville? This, Whoa, game, so
0: con. this
1: game is really intriguing because there, is, there are essentially three games in this league in the, the regular season that are going to help set up what the tournament's going to look like and then wh- who's going to represent this league in the, in the NCAA tournament. And I'm going to be honest. If I am any team that is seeded one through eight in the NCAA tournament, I don't want to play High Point, Jacksonville, or Richmond in the NCAAs. No. Am I, no, I no. mean, like, yeah. that. those are the teams I do not want to see. One of them is going to be in there. So this game for Jacksonville, I think, is gigantic because we saw what they've done in the non-conference schedule. They had the loss to Utah, but now they've blown out three teams that we expected them to beat yeah. here three in a row. So now it's, all right, let's get down to business Time to figure out how you do this in conference play. Uh, this team, the guys that have shown up, Max Walbaum, five-plus points in his last three, coming off that big 25-4 wood over St. John's. Luke Milliken, we mentioned him in the All-American conversation. Terrific. Top ten in goals against average so far this year and top four in save percentage. I think he's a difference maker. He's going to have to stop Asher Nolting, who's up fourth in the country in points per game, up over six per contest. So I think... This game will tell us a lot about Jacksonville of, all right, we saw what you did in the non-conference. Now back it up in conference play and touch yourself up to be – because when you have those three teams, whoever the one seed is – puts them in a much better spot than if you have to play one of the other th- of these teams in the semifinals to get to the championship game.
0: And keep in mind what's going on outside the real world of lacrosse here, what's going on in conference realignment. This is one of the last times we'll see this iteration maybe. Yeah, of the could be forward. for sure. So enjoy it while it lasts, I guess, right? See, these little rivalries have been really fun and that's unfortunately the, the downturn of all these conference things is that you lose some of that when these teams move on or schools or programs or the conferences move on whatever have you um you kind of i mean I, i've liked these games over the years you know i like this conference tournament a lot and it's gonna be tough to miss that but I don't want to cast a shade or a rain cloud over things well, you just, just did So well, I, i'm saying enjoy it okay. while it lasts
1: one thing to enjoy say it. i want to say hi to the entire jacksonville team because in john galloway talking on Clark's podcast for usa lacrosse magazine he was talking about how he wants the team to embrace social media and the rankings because he knows he's gonna they're gonna Go look at it anyway so he's embracing that. go consume all of it and want to get more attention be by the way you practice monday through friday and the way you perform on the weekends so hi dolphins hopefully you're listening and i hope you get a win this weekend i i got the the dolphins in this one travis saying
0: hello to dolphins okay hashtag fins up who needs a win this weekend travis
1: you know i'm going to the big ten and it- this isn't strictly for like ncaa tournament resume but i feel like momentum wise Hopkins really needs a win this weekend against Rutgers. It's a game. This is the Sunday night Big Ten game, 7 p.m. Eastern uh, at Rutgers. Hopkins coming off a win over Michigan, which was huge, because if you look at the hierarchy of the Big Ten, you obviously have uh, Maryland at the top, Ohio State, and Rutgers have kind of been the, the next two there in the, the prongs. And then somebody's going to get that fourth spot. Yeah. Well, Hopkins, with the win over Michigan, puts themselves in a pretty good spot to get that four seed and find your way into the conference tournament. Give yourself a chance in May. But they've got a game against Penn State in a couple of weeks that will be gigantic in making sure you're in that slot. You beat Rutgers. Your confidence goes through the roof, and all of a sudden you take some of the pressure off down the stretch of getting into the conference tournament, and you bolster that tournament resume. So say you do beat Maryland at some point, whether it's in the conference tournament or at the end of the regular season, all of a sudden you that's got – That's not happening. I, I know, but I'm just saying <laughs> – That's it gives a bad – hype.
0: this is a fine hypothetical. That's not a good one. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: I'm just saying with what we saw from Hopkins a couple of weeks ago when they lost to Navy and Delaware at back-to-back games. It was a bad weekend. It was a really bad weekend. They bounced back really nicely mm-hmm. against Michigan. You yeah. string a couple together, it strings some confidence together and some belief – that by the end of the year, this could be a team that even if they don't win the Big Ten, will be on that bubble conversation because right now they're not. Unless they beat one of these teams—the Rutgers, the Ohio States, the Marylands—like they they gotta they gotta find a way to get a couple of these wins. If they get this one, I think it goes a big way. So that's why they they're a they must-win. Do I don't know. It, it'd be a tall task. It has. If they're going to beat Rutgers, it has to be a lower scoring game. I don't think they can run with them. No, I think yeah. if they're gonna do it, it's like 13 to
0: 11. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, that's a good deal. All right, who needs a win? Yeah, who do you got? Notre Dame needs a win. <laughs> they do need a win. Two and four. They play against Syracuse this weekend. And you first look at their schedule to finish the season. And They're two and four. Don't forget. They have the win over Michigan in Detroit Mercy. Started with the losses to Georgetown, Maryland, Ohio State. Yeah, you can play at great teams. If you lose all of them, that's not helping. They it does help the RPI. They have against Syracuse, Duke, Marquette, Carolina, Syracuse, and Duke. Going through the end of their season. So you look at that schedule and you got to pick up some decent wins. Or just win all of them. Sooner or later. And now is the time that you got to get going because you can't hit those last few games and whatever the situation might be and and start losing them. And then you get behind the eight ball and and now you're, you you have to win now because you haven't won yet anybody, beat anybody good. You have to start accumulating these wins because. Everybody else in the country seems to be doing that in these other leagues. You have to start doing that too. You got to stack that resume. Like Travis was saying, Johns Hopkins in the Big Ten. Notre Dame's got to start doing that in the ACC. Interesting game against Virginia last weekend. So they lost 12 8. Held Matt Moore to no goals to assist in that one. Notre Dame, had, it's like Notre Dame is trying. There's a game I used to have on the Xbox Connect. It was like Kinect Adventures where you're trying to stop the water and you got to like put your toes up <laughs> and your, your arms and, and the water's coming through all these different cracks in the yeah. aquarium. Notre Dame's like that because they had four shot clock violations in this game. They won 14 of 24 face-offs. It might have been. I didn't check, but probably the only time this year in which they've had the advantage of the face-off X. He had 17 turnovers. So it's like they're trying to stop all these leaks. I mean, they won the last eight faceoffs of the game, and that's where they made their big run, too. So there's flashes of brilliance. But that's
1: the thing. I don't even think that game was as close as the deficit was. But yet. I think
0: that that's a sign of life. You know, I understand that the deficit was, it was. It was like that was 11-4 was the was the, yeah. the score at, at one point, but a sign of life is seeing and a facet of the game that you have been very unsuccessful at all season long actually go well for you. And yes, that's a moral victory and that's a statistic, but at the same time you can say, oh, we did that well. How do we capture that and bring it in with the rest of what we're trying to do and be successful moving forward? My interest is seeing how they can do that against Syracuse this weekend, who comes off a big win over Duke. So Notre Dame is a team I think that needs a win considering their schedule moving forward. Isn't as strong as it normally would be, so you have to start accumulating wins.
1: I think Syracuse needs a win too. I, I think this game, both both sides. Yeah,
0: I've already written off Syracuse, so. Okay. Let's find out. See what happens. I mean, Tucker Dordovic, first team All-American in my book. Yeah, he he is. He he's, he's been absolutely fantastic this year. The the rest of the team has not.
1: All right, big weekend in oh, the yeah, state about this. of North Carolina. Gigantic weekend because not only do we have maybe the biggest. Final four game in the history of college basketball with Duke North Carolina meeting in the NCAA tournament for the first time in Coach K's final season as the head coach at Duke. But earlier in the day on Saturday, we get Duke Carolina men's lacrosse. So we're going to pick the both the games, Duke UNC rivalry. Do they yes. go the same basketball and lacrosse or do we have different results?
0: Yeah, I think they're going to go the same way. And Who do you like? I, I think they go one direction in particular. Um, they're going the way of Duke, and mm. you know okay. now is the, t- the you probably feel the fever on campus, and you've got a, you've got stars. It feels like on the Duke side. Yes, Chris Gregg is a star as well, but Duke has that stacked feels like roster of stars that are all going to be in the NBA lottery and that's what you look at the Duke lacrosse team and see I mean Pablo Bencaro is that Brendan Brendan O'Neill on that side of things and it's a matter of those stars shining the brightest for Duke and I know that there have been some questions and you wonder exactly what they're all about this year because they've been inconsistent and now it's been inconsistent for a while it feels like since even last year with Michael Sowers that came in. And Sowers was great. It just, you never really felt like they clicked. And I think that's the same this year. But in a game like this against North Carolina, that is when guys just start taking over. And I feel like Duke has the capability to do that against North Carolina, who doesn't sport the best defense that they've had in the last few years. And I think that you got guys like McAdory who can fill it up at any moment. O'Neal, who can help facilitate that as well. Nakai Montgomery, Dyson Williams. You got name after name that can get the job done. And that's how I feel on the basketball court, too. So I, I think Duke goes 2-0 and on Saturday against North Carolina.
1: Okay. I think we get different results okay. between these two games. I, so on the lacrosse side of things, Duke desperately needs this win. They do. I mean, they like if there's a sense of urgency, it has to be shown in this game because not only is it a rivalry against a team who's top ten in the country, but like you just you haven't shown it in these games yet this year. Like how many we talk about Duke teams in February? Well, we're seeing those same Duke teams we're used to seeing in February now yeah. into March, and we're now in April by the time this game is played. So I think this is a game they they have to show up. Brendan O'Neill has started to show up.
0: Yeah, last, he's coming
1: on his his last cup. Uh, he's got three plus goals in his last four games. And talked about that Towson game from a couple of weeks ago. I do think that is was a bit of a turning point in him realizing like, OK, I can try to take over this team. Now there needs to be a sense of urgency for everybody else. Like a Joe Robertson, like this is it, man. It's time to go. Dyson Williams, Sean Lowley, These guys have to add in because too many of them. The supporting cast have been inconsistent for the Duke team. So I think the Duke lacrosse team gets it done. North Carolina, I, if there was ever going to be a sense of urgency for the Duke basketball team, it, you would think it would probably be the, the final game of Cameron Indoor and that Coach K is ever going to yeah. coach, right? Yeah. Well, we didn't see it against Carolina at the end of the regular season. I don't get the the feeling about this Duke basketball team that like they're just going to go and take over and, and win this game. I think the Heels can surprise him. I'm
0: not going to get into the basketball debate with so, right now, but, but I, I disagree. Lacrosse-wise, okay. <laughs>
1: lacrosse though, I agree with you, and I think Duke gets it done. I,
0: I, that, that game in Cameron Indoor was a, uh, an outlier. You got all these alums there. Like it was. There's a lot of nerves in that. There's a lot of pressure, and I think that they've turned it on, but that's a different story for a different day.
1: Face-off battle for Duke Carolina will be great. Uh, Naso versus Tucci, both of them right around 59-50. 57% so far this year. I think that's going to be And, a and Carolina's got battle. a couple
0: deep that you can bring entire yes. R to change things yeah, up. For sure. Uh, one thing we need to watch that I don't think a lot of people are talking about enough just yet. Chris Gray is 23 points away from the points record by the way. And he's, he's almost I mean he's going to have a couple I think more games in hand compared to Lyle but Chris Gray's almost there. He's about to break the all-time points record. Just something to keep an eye on here when you're watching that game which I think will be a shootout too. Yeah. I think uh, there's gonna be a lot of goals. And I think the basketball game's gonna be the same way. Okay in the
1: 70s. Well, enjoy the battle for Carolina. Should Ooh. be a, a really fun Saturday. Nice. Uh, f- with both those games uh, included. All right. Uh, s- speaking of Saturday, we may see a lot of shaved heads across the country in college lacrosse. For more on that, we're joined by a-, a bunch of guys from Lacrosse for Life. We are now joined by a whole host of guests. We'll run through them now. We've got the co-founders of Lacrosse for Life, Tommy Hale, Ben uh Barranker and Connor Fox joining us, all former Brown lacrosse players. Now we got some current players as well. Marco Rourke from Bryant, Owen McElroy, the goalie from Georgetown, and Chris Brown. Huge appreciation for all these guys for joining us. Uh, we're going to start with the founders from Lacrosse for Life because it's a big weekend here coming up. And uh, Connor, we'll, we'll start with you about where this idea came from for Lacrosse for Life, where we're going to see a lot of shaved heads here this weekend once again.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Um, certainly appreciate it. This uh, was born out of uh, a fundraiser that Tommy, Ben and I participated in our freshman and sophomore years at Brown, um, similar model, shaving our heads to, to support cancer research and awareness. Uh, we had always had a drive to to do something on our own, uh, you know, start our own philanthropic initiative. Um, and it was something that, that we had always gotten excited for each year, uh, as did our team. Um, so figured, you know, what better model to adopt than, than the head shave model um, and what better community to tap into to try and get some momentum behind it than the lacrosse community. Um, obviously, special place, special community, something that we're, we're all proud to be a part of and indebted to, um, so adopted that head shave model Um, and and tapped into the community. Unsurprisingly, received tons of support, tons of response, lots of energy and excitement from teams across the country um, to to, to get going and and, and support. Um, So very thankful that we've been able to to do this thing and and had the support that we've had. Um, And and that's sort of where it started. We think, uh, obviously, in in the grand scheme of things, shaving the head for, uh, for, for, for a donation to be made in your name and the program's name is a fairly small sacrifice um, when you zoom out and, 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 and sort of look at things uh, on an all things considered basis, so that's where we that's where we got started.
1: Yeah, and we continue on here this year after missing a year due to the pandemic. Obviously, it made it difficult for everybody. Uh, Tommy, pick us up. Year uh, the first time we had a chance to do this. Now to year two, where are we at?
4: Yeah, so I'll just I guess start back on the first year, our inaugural events. Uh, for lacrosse for life that took place the first weekend in march 2020 right before the initial COVID shutdown leading up to this weekend we're actually we're unsure Uh, as kind of talked about the turnout we were expecting but we began our initial outreach the plan was pretty simple and we created a group chat inclusive of friends and former teammates from about 15 ncaa programs actually the three other guys in this call right here they were in that and um we connected with them to see if they're interested and just kind of get the initial feedback and they all followed up saying like this is definitely something they're interested in they had a personal connection a team-wide connection and something they want to take part in. So this core group of, I guess, initial shavers was really kind of what we expected the extent of the whole year one 2020 event to be. Uh, but with that said, with the positive feedback from these guys and the former teammates that we've had, and a little bit of traction, we got the word out to a larger circle, um, and we were connected, thankfully, with the right people who helped weave us into the lacrosse network of alums and coaches. And kind of we picked up from there, getting outreach out to about 50 or so programs who all shared the same positive feedback and said, this is a great event. We want to take part in it. Um, from that point, we kind of had a couple of top tier teams start posting their week ahead social or their uh, shaves on their social and people started flowing in with inbound interest. So about 40 other programs came up to us with the DMing or via email saying, guys, this is pretty cool. We want to take part of it um, and get involved here. So when the dust settled, we had probably we had 92 programs um, across divisions one, two and three, all in two thousand one hundred nine kids, coaches, I guess, players and. Uh, trainers took place and the events this year as well as 2020 was about a thousand was a thousand dollars per head so we totaled over 2.1 million dollars in every cent of which actually with the Boston Children's Hospital in that event um, so we found the programs rallied together to get behind a great cause sacrificing for something really meaningful and with the profound impact of this we saw like firsthand the host Jimmy Connor Ben we got together and figured okay like let's let's drive this teams will get behind it and they'll rally and we can make a real big lasting approach here. So we created a 501c3, which is where we are now. And that brings us, I guess, to this year's event, which I think Ben could touch on.
1: Yeah, uh, Ben, and I know it's a it's a different charity in, in Dana-Farber, the Cancer Institute uh, here in Boston, that is uh, your fundraising for this year. Walk us through where we are, now, are at here now in year two.
5: Yeah, we're really, really excited. So we began the process um, about a handful of months ago, uh, with the same kind of approach, just reaching out to teams, establishing that foundation, um, fellow teammates, friends, um, trying to gain some support and traction for this year. Um, from there, we launched some updates, emails to all participating parties from 2020. And with some help, we shortly followed with an email blast to all the college coaches. Um, shout out to Pete Sess at 3D Lacrosse to, for connecting us with his network. Um, we got a huge response from a ton of the coaches who were psyched to be uh, participating in round two. Um, yes, they connected to the point man to run the show for them and get headcounts and a picture over to us. So we're kind of in the process right now of talking to coaches, uh, getting the guys on the teams to uh, organize the, um, the, the guys for this weekend. And so far, we've heard from about 40 teams. Um, each going to be participating with varying numbers. Um, but we're thinking we're approaching about 1000 shavers and growing rapidly. And last year, just as we get closer and closer to the event, the teams just start flowing in uh, faster and faster and you can kind of start seeing this year a few of the teams that are on spring break have begun shaving already and you'll be able to see uh, full team pictures out shortly Um, so you can keep an eye out for our social the Hope Street Foundation Instagram Um, you'll also see it on some of the big guys as well Um, they've all been posting and we're super excited to see all these handsome gents with uh, fresh new cuts
1: and obviously uh, this is a cause that uh, hits really close to home for you guys in particular and, and obviously Connor is um, it's benefiting something that uh, is, is helping people like your dad who unfortunately passed away connor what does it mean to see so many people getting involved for a cause that obviously is so close to you
3: yeah absolutely it's 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 awesome um you know i think this is uh, something that that as i mentioned we've always been really excited about doing and, and trying to get something started and uh, been excited about the sport it became a little more personal for us uh, this past year I lost my dad in August. Um, so we're, we're super excited to have been able to establish Sean Fox fund at the sarcoma center, um, at Dana Farber, um, which we'll see all proceeds from this year's event uh, directly benefiting that fund. Um, so really, really excited about it. He was a a life, lifelong lacrosse guy. It was definitely his passion, um, four year player at Hobart back in the eighties, um, during the run and, and one year as a volunteer assistant there. And then, uh, you know, Proceeded to to work throughout his life in the sport at, at Brian and at 3 d um, so super super excited excited to to have that going in his name. Um, and again, just really really thrilled with the turnout that we've seen and continue to see. And uh, excited to keep this thing rolling.
1: Yeah, uh, lacrosse community is as we all know a very special one. And when everybody rallies together for things like this, is it's really cool. So let's talk to some of the former player or the now the current players uh, who are participating. Uh, let's start with Mark O'Rourke from Bryant. Mark, uh, w- when you initially heard of, of what was going on, uh, obviously you're just across town from these guys when they were at Brown. Uh, what, were, what was your thought process of, of wanting to get involved?
6: Yeah, um, I mean, so, so I knew Tommy before he went to Brown, but then when he kind of introduced me to this whole fundraiser, uh, it was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, to just do a simple shave your head, to just be part of something that's greater than just your team, you know. Like you had said, the lacrosse community is very tight and it didn't matter if it was Brown playing Princeton this weekend for was Brian Providence or whatever it may be, you know, uh, joining something like this. It's just, it's so big. It was just so easy. and It's kind of a no brainer.
1: And did you already do the shaved head? Is that, yeah. is that the final product?
6: Yeah, I already did. I already did the shaved head. Got
1: it. What's, what's the rest of the team look like?
6: Um, so right now, I think, I think we did probably just over 40 and I think wow. a couple more guys still still to come.
1: So was it a, was it a, uh, like, in the locker room deal, or did everybody go to a barber to get this figured out?
6: Uh, no, it was more so a locker room deal. You know, <laughs> it brings, brings a team together Some uh, for good camaraderie.
1: Somebody busts out the Clippers, and, and let's get down to work. Uh, let's go to, to Owen McElroy at Georgetown. Owen, uh, same question for you. What made this uh, cause something that, that you and, and the Hoyas wanted to get involved with?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll kind of touch on what Mark just said. Um, you no, know, it was definitely a no brainer is um, something that, you know, Connor, Connor and I were buddies before he, he went off to, to Brown and, uh, I've been able to, um, you know, become buddies with a lot of the Brown guys. They're great guys. And, um, when he reached out to me, I, you know, I thought, um, you know, this is awesome. Um, when you put it in perspective, like he kind of spoke to earlier, it's, um, you know, really so easy. You're shaving your head and, you know, rocking the buzz cut for a few months. Um, Compared to what have, uh, you know, a lot of other people have to go through, a lot of other families have to go through, um, and you know it brings awareness um, to the issue. And, and obviously, it's for a great cause, raising money. Um, so, over here, once I got the text from Connor, I was, I was super stoked, and you know I tried to get as many guys, um, many whores as I can, to, to rock the bus cut for, for, a few, uh, for a few months. So,
1: you got a nice head of hair there, Owen. When what's it going to be like when it goes away? I'm excited.
7: Um, you know, <laughs> The past two years I've uh, kind of cut it all off so um, it's kind of a it's kind of a tradition now and uh, it's a good feeling to walk around and feel the fresh air on, on your on your skull. So uh, I think I should be getting it off Sunday I think uh, before we travel or after we travel out to Denver this weekend so.
1: Perfect and this is a good time to do it too because it's starting to get warm down there in DC so it's not too ch- not too chilly in the top of the head. Uh, we were talking about this before we got going we got Chris Brown for Princeton, who's got a big game against the uh, alma mater of all, a lot of these other guys with Princeton and Brown. Uh, Chris, uh, how cool is it to support, uh, what, obviously, one of your competitors in the Ivy League, but I know something that you, you care so much about?
5: Yeah, no, it's been awesome. I mean, obviously, competitors on the field, but one big community off of it. So I um, had a teammate, Luke Anderson, who's the one who's really spearheaded the whole foundation and shaving our heads here at Princeton. But um, we're really just grateful to... Connor, Tommy, and Ben for giving us a chance to participate and kind of raise money for such a good cause.
1: Do you do you want to take a little shot at at the at Brown on your way out here? You got a big game this weekend. Yeah, I'll wait until <laughs> after
5: the game. I don't want to give any more fuel to the fire or anything like that.
1: Well, uh, guys, we appreciate the time so much. Uh, for people that are watching this video, we've got the uh, where people can go to donate. If you're listening to us in the podcast version, we'll uh, on our social media. We'll share the link. Uh, on how people can get involved to to help out uh, Lacrosse for Life and now the Hope Street Foundation. To everybody, we really appreciate all the time. Thank you, and and you have our support. So uh, keep up the good work.
3: Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Travis.
1: Thank you, Travis. Uh, Awesome to catch up with all those guys, and uh, we'll have the link for how you can donate on our social media pages if you want to help out Lacrosse for Life, such an incredible cause, and they're raising a ton of money. So it'll be cool to see less flow, Mm. more Clean shaving.
0: Less flow, more dough. For those. Co- you, should, you should copyright Indeed. that. Yes. I anyway. That. Let's finish up with some NLL. You should shoot should me an email. They can use that. I'll let them. Yeah. Okay. Um, NLO. Uh, game, game I'm game watching are you watching this week. Tonight. I'm watching the game tonight. Okay. While we're on Thursday. The um, so it's 7:30 PM Eastern. Bandits Wings. And yes, the, the bandits are 12, but we talked about this before. It's are must-watch TV, it feels like, whenever they get on the floor, when it comes to the dynamic offense they have, Matt Vincent goal. They are so much fun. Steve Priolo, they are a ball to watch. And then you got a Wings team. Kyle Jackson now maybe changing a bit of the chemistry there, a goal and five assists in his debut. Big game. He brings this energy in. And you know, now it's now or never, if you're the Wings. This was a dominating performance for the Bandits last time in Buffalo, 17-5 on March 12th. I think maybe the Wings can, can give him a game here at home this time around. It should be a lot of fun.
1: Unlike Eric Church, the NLL not <laughs> canceling games due to Duke Carolina in the Final Four. So I'm going to Saturday night. Get a couple of screens ready. During while you're watching the Final Four games, we got Seals and Rock and East versus West battle. We've been talking about this all year. How good are some of these teams at the top of the West compared to what we see from four up in the east well this is another perfect example the east has dominated the west all season long i think i'm really intrigued to see if the rock win this game i i it it, i just continues to tilt the the scale this is a huge game for the seals to show not only that they are the top team in the west but they're a team that can contend for the championship Mm. at the end of the year
0: okay looking forward to that as well should be a fun weekend of that lacrosse and all sorts of things
1: All sorts of good stuff.
0: Uh, We'll be back to recap it all on Tuesday. As always. So
1: we will see you then. Later.